to the challenge. Doesn't that look like fun? So how many of you are like going, oh, good Lord. You want me to lean on what? You are going to want to be a part of our 50-day challenge uh, because I believe that God is inviting us uh, to trust Him and to see Him do amazing things in and through our lives. And uh, so it's going to begin next week. Bring your, uh, you know, your repelling gear you know, all the things, it's just going to be, it's going to be awesome. We're going to send people up the wall. It's just going to be great. It's going to be totally interactive. How many ready for that? Bring your friends. You guys are like, you're like, going, no, I don't think I'm going to be in church for 50 days. Poor Cheryl, she's just like, she's dying just, just imagining it. Oh, it's so good. Everybody take a deep breath and just say, I'm going to make it. We're going to make it. It's going to be good. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to Asbury Church. We're so glad to have you here. This is Back to Church Sunday, and I don't know about you, but I love church. How many love church? Okay, a few of us. I got to tell you, I love church. Like, I am, like, I just love it. Now, and, and when I say that, I recognize the church isn't a building. It's the people. How many know we got some amazing people as a part of Asbury Church? I mean, sitting next to an amazing person who's part of Asbury Church. Yeah, you got a couple of them. They're just, it's just an amazing place, amazing people. Now, when I say I love the church, I got to tell you, I've been like, like, I would say I'm corrupted by it, but it's, church has been a part of my, my entire life, and, and there's a few things as I think about church. Uh, for me, church has given me something to chew on. And many of you, you've heard this story. When I was a kid, we grew up in the church. Like, literally, the first place I lived was in the basement of the church. And so my sister and I, at the end of every, uh, like, every after every uh, Monday, whatever it was, we'd climb up into the sanctuary, and we'd crawl around underneath the pews and look for gum, <laughs> hidden treasures. And Mom was always wondering where, we, you know, what we were chewing on and where we got it. We got it at the bottom of the seats. And so maybe that's corrupted me a hair. I actually, I, I was telling somebody about this and they were, I was sharing this in Dryden this morning and someone came up to me afterwards so excited and she was like, I did that too. And I was just like, yeah, that explains a lot. And no, I'm just kidding. So, but it's, it's just kind of funny. It's like, how many of you found treasures under the seats? Anybody here? Okay, good. Levita was with me on this one. I tell you, before you leave service today, Oh, you found money. Oh, okay. I was going to say, you know, before you leave service today, just check underneath your seat. Maybe there's a treasure for you. <laughs> Something to chew on. And, um, you know, but, but again, I, I love church. You know, an, another reason, it's, it's been a place of rest for me. I remember one Sunday evening, we were having Sunday night church, and I was a little tired, and Mom said, Dave, just sleep underneath the pew. And I fell asleep, 
And when I woke up, the place was empty and dark. And um, my parents had a whole bunch of people coming over to the house and assumed I was in one of the part of the caravan in another vehicle. And when and uh, so everybody went home, and home was about 20 minutes away from the church. And I woke up, and I just remember because the light switches were at the front of the building, and I turned on every light in the place. And I was, I think I was about six years old at the time, and I did what every kid would do. I opened the door, and I called for my dad. And so I yelled at the top of my lungs, and he didn't hear me. But gratefully, the neighbor did. And, uh, and so she had me come over, and I wasn't quite sure if I was supposed to be, you know, take food from a stranger, but she was offering Coca-Cola and banana bread, which is a beautiful combination on a Sunday evening. And I just remember calling my dad and telling my dad, because he thought I was playing a prank on him, and so you know, I eventually told him, I said, Dad, you forgot me. And he was devastated. And the therapist says he's making good progress, so that's... Uh, <laughs> So I, I found out the church is a great place for rest. And, and, and the, the, another thought about church is church um, has a part of me. Uh, literally, when we were in Fairview, Alberta, which is about seven hours north of Edmonton, and Edmonton is north of the border by about nine hours, so we're like north, we're up in the cold area. It was the winter time, and uh, somebody dared me to put my tongue on the metal pole outside the church, and so I did. And I was fused to it for a moment. And, uh, and then somebody said, Dad's coming. And I was like, Dad's not going to find me glued to a pole. And so I tore my tongue away. And I left a part of me with the church that is still there. But, but for me, church has all these memories and, and emotions. And I, I know for many people, uh, for, for some, when it, people think about church, some people have great feelings. Other people, when you think about church, they're just like going, been there, done that, ain't going back. But I want you to know, I believe that the church is so important. I believe that the church represents the hope of the world. Because we recognize what Christ has done for us, and we are his people that have been brought together to, to, to not only encounter the Savior, but also to shine his light and to show his love. And I love the church, because wherever the church is gathered, you will find hope present. And even as we gather here today, hope is present. Hope is here. And hope is just simply a confident expectation of the future because of God. The church is filled with optimists. Did you know that? How many of you are feeling optimistic today? Some of you may be pessimistic at times, but the heart of Christianity is optimism. Because God is alive, because He is present, he, because He is here, we have hope for tomorrow. And it's the hope of our Savior that encourages our hearts, inspires our actions, and helps us find healing for our hurts. And I'm convinced that now more than ever, the church needs to be a beacon of hope in a world that, that, where there's so much darkness that the church would be a place where hope happens. And so today as we, we think about a story from Acts chapter 14, the big idea we're going to think around is this, is that the hope inspired by Jesus today empowers us to experience a better tomorrow. And, and so as we look at Acts chapter 14... Just so you know where we're going. So Acts is an amazing book. It's, it's the story of the church, how the church was born, and how the church began to have an impact in the world it was a part of. 
And, and when we come to our story today, we'll find out there are two main characters, Paul and Barnabas, who were sent, set apart by the Holy Spirit to take the message of Jesus and to share it in communities. And so they had gone out. And in sharing the message of Jesus, there were some who welcomed it, while there were others who, who, who just were like, we don't want anything to do with it, and the church was a threat. And so th there was opposition that came up against the church. And in one of those places where, where all of a sudden there was all this opposition that was coming to them, so much so that, that the lives of both Paul and Barnabas were being threatened, they ended up going south to a city, to, a couple, uh, to, to the city of Lystra. And, and as they get there, um, you know, they began to share the message of Jesus. And, and, and even before we get to our passage, passage, it'll say, they were sharing the good news. And this is what we need to remember about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is good news. Like, it's good news for everybody. It doesn't matter what your background is, where you're from, doesn't matter if you've been in church your whole life or you've never been to church. The message of Jesus is good news. And so they were sharing this message of good news. It's the good news that God cares about us, that God comes and meets us right where we're at to transform our lives. And so as they get to Lystra, this is how it begins reading in Acts chapter 14, verse 8. It says, In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking, and, and Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed, and he called out, Stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Now, I love these stories. We find a number of stories like this in the Bible where there was someone who was lame or, or, or someone who, who you know, was lame from birth, like their entire life was experienced very differently than you and me. They would be people who would be on the outside of society. They, they would be ones who would just be able to look in. Yet the message of Jesus began to penetrate a heart and to change a life. And, 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 it, and it gives us this idea, and we're going to, as we go through this passage this and some of the verses following, we're going to see that, that there are some important things that arise from this passage that support our hope. And the first is this, is that the good news of Jesus has the power to change us. That the good news of Jesus, the message of the gospel, because of who Jesus is and what he has done, he has the power to change us. How many know that life is filled with struggles? We have good days, and we have bad days. So sometimes we, we, we deal with things in our lives as, as we go through our days that, that, that there are things that have happened sometimes deep in our past that we bring forward with us every place we go. And sometimes we can feel like that lame man. Or sometimes we feel that, you know, I, I can't live a, a normal life or I, I'm kept from really experiencing life because, you know what, it's been this way my entire life. And I want you to know because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because of the good news of what he has done, everybody can experience true and lasting change. And this is so good because we've all, been, we've all experienced hurt and brokenness in different ways. We've experienced it individually. We've experienced it in family. We've experienced it in community. 
Yet as Paul was preaching the good news, he was telling telling the people that, listen, God has not abandoned us. He has not forgotten us. Even in our hurt, even in our concern, even in our broken state, God hasn't given up on us. Yet he comes and meets us right where we are. In the midst of our mess, to rescue and redeem us. Maybe you feel like you're in a bit of a mess today. Maybe you feel broken. Maybe you feel, you know, that, that you know, I, I'm not sure how I, can, how I can live for it. I'm always going to be, be affected by what's happened in the past. I want you to know the grace of God loves to meet us and change us. You know, as I think about the lame man, you think about the fact that he never walked. You ever imagine what it must have been like for him as he watches everybody else? Like, I don't know about you, but I, I can just imagine his sense of like disappointment or, or even resentment in the fact that, look, everybody else gets to do this, but look what I have to live with. Look what I have to deal with. Dependent on other people. I can't, I can't go on. It's not fair. Anybody here ever use those words? It's not fair. And sometimes our experiences, because of our experiences, we can become resentful in heart. We can look out and, and just say, you know, this, is, this just has to be my lot. It just can't. And we look at other people and our hearts, even toward people, sometimes darken. I imagine he also wrestled with his worth. You know, what, what's the worth of a lame man? Like, like, how valuable am I? Can't, I, I can't even do anything. And, and in a culture and in a time where so often our value is tied to what we do, that when we're not able to, all of a sudden it just begins to, we just begin to wonder, am I valuable? And, and, and you, we all know this. You've had those moments where all of a sudden, you know, maybe you're sick or, you've, you know, something's been harmed in your life and you're just like, going, you know, what, what good am I anymore? I've been hurt too bad. I imagine he wrestled with his purpose. In the midst of all of this, as the message of Jesus went out, it was the reminder that, you know, that God cares about us and that God does not give up on us even in a broken state. That he sees a value in our lives that is far greater than our condition. He sees a worth that we have that is not defined by our hurts, not defined by our habits, nor defined by our history. He's the God that's come to bring us life. And as this message was being preached, as Paul was sharing this message of the gospel, I can just imagine this man who had been lame his whole life, all of a sudden something in his heart begins to stir. And he says, you know what, tomorrow could be different. Because of what Jesus has done, because of who he is, tomorrow can be different. And I want you to know the message of Jesus hasn't changed. Because of what Jesus has done, we have hope for better tomorrows. And for him, faith began to build in his heart as he began to believe that, you know what, he wasn't forgotten, he wasn't alone, he wasn't worthless, that God cared about him. As he began to allow that truth to take root in his heart, something began to change. You see, faith begins to set the power of God in motion in our lives. 
When we recognize the story of Jesus is so much more than just a story, it is really the power for a new life. It is a power for salvation, for redemption, for rescue and restoration. And because of it, when Paul said to him, when he saw his faith, he says, you know what, it's time to live different, it's time to walk different. The man got up and walked. And I think this is so awesome because part of this idea that faith isn't just something that moves our hearts and stirs us on the inside, it begins to change the way we go through life. You see, the good news of Jesus has the power to change us. And maybe you're wrestling with where you're at. I want you to know God's not done. But not only do we see in this account that the good news of Jesus has the power to change us, but we also see that the good news of Jesus challenges our thinking. See, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, when it comes up against us, it changes the way that, that we think and, and, and it confronts us. Now, this is what we all need to understand. We all approach the world in a unique way. We're shaped by our experiences, our education, we're, we're, you know, the examples that we've seen. We, we are shaped by all these things, and we think the world moves and works in a certain way. Yet what the gospel does is it challenges the way we see the world and invites us to experience and live it in a different way. As the story goes on, you can imagine that as this lame man who'd been lame from birth, who didn't walk, all of a sudden gets up and starts walking that's going to cause a little bit of a stir. And all the people are trying to figure out, well, what is this? And what's awesome is they begin to interpret it through their own understanding. It goes on to say this in verse 11, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. I love this. They're trying to make sense of what is going on. And so they begin to lean on their old thinking. Now, just so you know, the, their response is actually consistent with a story that Ovid told. Now, how many know who Ovid is or have heard of Ovid? Now, Ovid is not just a city or a town or a small village on the other side of the lake. Ovid was actually an author, and he would tell stories, and so he actually wrote an ancient story down. And the story was of the Greek gods, Zeus and Hermes. And the way the story went was this, is that the, the, the Greek gods came down, and so they went into this area that was in the area of where Lystra is. And, and so the, the, her, Zeus and Hermes come down, they take human form, and they start knocking on doors. And they knock on doors throughout the city and throughout the region, seeing if anybody would let them in. And they're banging on the doors and banging on the doors, and, and everybody's too busy or they got different things, and so nobody lets them in. To a thousand homes. Finally, they end up at the home of an old couple with very little means, and so they knock on the door and they bring them in and they give them a meal. And because of it, the gods are so excited and kind that they bless that couple, yet they pour out wrath upon the entire community. So this is a story, and just so you know, this story was written by Ovid around the time of Jesus' birth, or just after Jesus' birth. 
And so it's being told in this area. So sure enough, when this miracle happens, they begin to understand what's happened with the lame man walking as, oh, look, Zeus and Hermes have come again. Zeus and Hermes are here again. And, and if, if we're not going to experience wrath, we, we, we need to welcome them. We need to celebrate them. We need to sacrifice to them. The gods are among us. I think it's kind of interesting because as we begin to hear the story of Jesus and we begin to see what God begins to do in people's lives, sometimes what we do is we bring the stories of our experiences to try and understand it. And, and, and I love what Paul and, and Barnabas do. And instead of saying, you know what, yeah, isn't this nice? They're bringing us food and they're, they're treating us like the gods. Instead, their response is they tore their clothes and rushed out to the crowd shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human. And we are just bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. I love this because it challenges our thinking. And, 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 and I think this is true also of the church because some people, when it comes to the church, they already have their thoughts about what the church is. Some people see the church filled with hypocrites and critical people and judgmental people. Sometimes the people in church can be seen as, well, we're above and we're better than and, and you need to treat us right. And, and, and so it's kind of an interesting little thing that what Paul and Barnabas do is they just tear their clothes and say, guys, look, we're just human like you. How many know that the church is filled with humans? How many know humans are messy? And it doesn't matter if your humanity is lived outside the church or within the church. We all got issues. The only difference is that people within the church have just simply have a faith and a belief that the God who made them cares so much about them that he wants to change them. And our invitation to our community, the invitation to the people around us is simply, listen, we are just like you. We are beggars just like you, yet we have found one who has the bread of life. And this, I think, is so important because what does it mean to be the church. Part of it is we're just the people who are motivated, inspired, and changed by the hope of God. We are imperfect, and we are in need of God's grace. And you know, I think that should continue to challenge our thinking. Because what the, what the gospel does is it, it, it not only changes us, has the power to change everything, but it begins to challenge our thinking. And how do we think? How do we live? And are we living in light of the gospel and, and what it is Christ has done for us? The third thing I want to note from this passage is that the good news of Jesus provides support for the journey. Well, sure enough, after Paul and Barnabas refuse the praise and celebration and sacrifices of the crowds, and they just say, guys, we're human just like you, it caused a little bit of dissonance. And then some of the people from the city um, that they were in before who wanted to kill and stone um, Paul and Barnabas brought their trouble down with them. And the crowds were manipulated in such a way so that 
the bearers of the good news, were stoned. Specifically, Paul. And what it says is this. It says, some came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over, and they stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. Now, just so you know, this idea of stoning is, um, is painful. It's like they're picking up rocks and throwing at you. They're, they're like bludgeoning. Their goal is to bludgeon someone to death. Okay? And, and just like beat and break. Now, some of my church memories, I remember my cousin and I and some other boys in the church on a Sunday evening, we decided to have a, a fun little game of throwing rocks at one another. Right? Because what do you do in church? Right? I grew up in church. I got stories. And so I just remember because we were throwing uh, stones at one another across the parking lot. Now, just let me just caveat this. If you're here this morning, please, after service, do not throw stones at one another. Thank you. Jonathan, I'm looking at you. Um, but, but we said we were throwing stones at one another. And I just remember because one of the kids on the other side just, he, he, hurled, he hurled a stone, and they weren't very big, but he threw it across the parking lot and hit my cousin, uh, just, just like right here, dude opened up his head, man, he started bleeding, made a very memorable Sunday evening at church. Those are just little stones, and that was just a game. But for Paul, boy, it was, it was about bludgeoning. It was about wrecking, it was about killing. And it says that they stoned him and they threw all these rocks at him and then they dragged him outside the city, leaving him there, thinking he's dead. That means they did a number on him. You see, in that moment, I don't know much hope Paul had. Like, I don't think it was in the space of, you know, being able to think about hope in that moment. I just think, you know what it's like when you're in the midst of pain sometimes and hurt. It's hard to keep hopeful thoughts. Yet in the midst of that, it says that the disciples surrounded him. And he got up and he walked to the city. I think this is such an important part of the story because it reminds us that the good news of Jesus provides support for the journey. Because the truth is, is life goes sideways at times. We sometimes experience setbacks and deep hurts. And we can feel like everything's died. And we can think, you know, is there really any future from this? And we can become, in, in a sense, alone in our brokenness. Yet for Paul, he was surrounded by the followers of Christ. A group of people who had hope, who believed this, that the same God who could cause the lame to walk could bring life to the dead. So they gathered around him. 
See, life is hard. And this is why I think the church and its mission is so important because we need people to gather around us along life's journey. We were never meant to do church alone. Sorry, we were never meant to do life alone. We were never meant to have to bear these things because, again, life is hard and sometimes our hearts are so heavy that it's hard for us to have hope. Yet when we have hopeful people around us, they can have hope when we struggle to have hope. People who can pray with us, sit with us, walk with us. And that's what the church is here for. So that we don't have to go through life alone. See, following Jesus is not just about believing, it's also about belonging. And that's why as a church, like, I, I, I love the church that I'm a part of. And that's you guys. Because the privilege we have of doing life together, and I've watched, I've watched through the course, I've been here almost 20 years, I have watched as people have gone through difficult things, people coming alongside, praying, supporting, giving, Breathing hope, even into hopeless situations and circumstances. And that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be. And it's something we all need because we don't know when we're going to be in the situations where we experience the setbacks and the hurts. You see, the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus provides support for the journey. See, the hope inspired by Jesus today empowers us to experience a better tomorrow. So how do we experience the hope that happens here? I think part of it is we need to believe for a better future because of God's grace. That we need to begin to believe. Again, faith sets something in motion. And we need to be a people that are audacious enough to believe that Jesus cares enough about us that He's the God who comes to meet us in our mess and transform it by His love and power. We need to be a people who believe. And I think that believing begins with a prayer where we begin to say, God, I recognize there are some things that are way bigger than me. There are hurts, there are, there are, there are things that, that I have no answers for, but I thank you that you do. And to begin to believe and allow that belief to change the way we walk. Not only do we need to believe, I believe we need to allow God's word to challenge and inspire our thinking. Again, the message of Jesus changes us. And it changes our thinking. Okay, this is why you need to be a part of the 50-day focus. Right? This is why you need to learn to arise to the challenge. Some of you, you're, you're like, oh my goodness, there's rock climbing. We're not going to make anybody rock climb, but we will give you a challenge that is far harder than that. Because what the gospel of Jesus Christ does is, is it confronts us with the way we think. This is, why, this is why Paul will write to the church in Rome and says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And all of us, we need the Word of God 
we need to wrestle with the Word of God because the Word of God challenges our thinking. If the Word of God always aligns with what you think, you're doing it wrong. Because the Word of God challenges us. This is why as a church, every week we take time, whether it's on a, a Sunday morning or a Wednesday or Thursday evening, because we recognize we need God to challenge our thinking. If we're going to experience the hope that happens here, we believe we allow His Word to challenge and inspire our thinking. But not only that, we have to invite the Holy Spirit to empower and transform us. You see, the Spirit of God walks with us through this journey and enables us. The Bible teaches us that when we come to faith in Christ Jesus, that the Spirit of God takes up residence within us in order to enable us and empower us to live the life that we were created and called for. You know what? We can experience change because the Spirit of God is at work within us. And we need to allow the Spirit of God to empower and transform us. Lastly, if we're going to experience the hope, we also have to surround, our, surround ourselves with His people. We need to be a part of a community of believers who can encourage and walk with one another. Again, we're not called to journey alone. And this is where I think part of the challenge comes. Because I know life is full and busy. There, there, there's a busyness and there's a, there's a hurry to life and there are so many demands. And sometimes what we do is we miss out on the grace that God wants to bring us because we get busy with all these different things. Can I just challenge you? Make a commitment to be with and a part of what God is doing through the local church. Don't just rely on it. You know, I get it once a month. But listen, we need to say, God, we need your grace to work in us and through us. And listen, God wants to change everything with his grace. He wants to bring you hope. He wants to bring healing. He wants to release you into, into things that will just make your mind go crazy. Because God cares deeply for you. And he knows why you were created. We need to surround ourselves with his people. You see, the hope of Jesus that we receive today empowers us to experience a better tomorrow. We are a people with hope. Because the power of the gospel, the good news of the gospel has the power to change us. The good news of Jesus continues to challenge our thinking as well as support us along the journey. This is why I love the church. Because hope happens here. Hope happens here. May we have a confident expectation that God is going to do something in us and through us. Because we need to be a beacon of light in a world that is broken and hurting. And if hope doesn't happen here, if it doesn't happen through God's people, where will it happen? We've been called. We've been created to make a difference for Him.
May our faith arise in a mighty Savior, allowing our hope to change everything. May we open our hearts and invite Him to transform us by His love and His power. Let's pray. Father, I thank You that You're the God who changes everything. You care about us. You meet us. And Lord, I thank You that You've come that we might have life, life more abundantly. And God, we need to put our hope in You. God, our lives encounter brokenness and hurt. And Lord, I thank You that You weren't content to just leave us in our mess. But You made a way to transform it by Your grace and Your goodness. And so into this moment, we bring, we bring ourselves to you as we are. Recognizing our need of you. Putting our hope, our faith, and trust in the one who can change everything. Lord, I thank you that you challenge us and you grow us. Lord, I thank you that you are surrounding us with people. People of faith. People who have seen and experienced that, that work, that grace. So Lord, we look to you. Our living hope. And while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, how many would just simply say, you know what, there's, there's some situations in my life that I need God to touch. Maybe it's a hurt from the past. Maybe it's a struggle that you're just, you're just confronting with today and you're saying, you know what, I just need hope. I, I, need, I need fresh hope in this area. Maybe you become a little discouraged. Saying, Lord, would you just breathe hope to me today? If that's you, would you raise your hand? Because I want to pray with you. See that hand and that one, that one, that one. Thank you. That one, that one. Lord Jesus, you see these hands. And God, I just ask that your light and your life would be manifest even now in Jesus' name. God, into our brokenness and into our hurt. Lord, we believe for your healing. Lord, I thank you that our faith in you sets something in motion that brings about a change. And so, Lord, we're believing you. Thank you for your faithfulness and love. In Jesus' name.